Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is a character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Perspective on the day's biggest stories. It's Carriker and Smallman's Fresh Take. Powered by Schnucks. Eat good to feel great at Schnucks on 101 ESPN. We do have the fight coming up at the bottom of the hour, and we always invite you to try to participate. All you need to do is text the word FIGHT to 65780 every morning from the time we get on, and uh, Freeze Pops will pick out a contestant, and we will have the fight every day at 830. Used to be the 4 o'clock fight, but it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to call it the 4 o'clock fight (laughs) at 830. So now it's just the fight, and we have it every morning for you here on 101 ESPN. Michelle, a lot going on still with the pandemic. We talked earlier about Michelle Roberts and her players now kind of getting the itch. She said, and she's the director of the executive director of the NBA Players Association. She, she said, it's been two and a half months of what if my players need some level of certainty. I think everybody does. She said she spl- plans to speak with players on all 30 teams over the next week, engage their reaction to the NBA's plans for reopening. And that reopening right now looks like it's going to happen down in Orlando at the wide world of sports. It's kind of like a, an Olympic village that they'll have set up for the players. And all of the NBA action will take place down there, and it'll start in late July. Sounds like a great setup. Uh, Logistically, it sounds like everybody seems to be on the same page, or at least the majority of people in the NBA, from owners to players to et cetera, seem to be on the same page. And that's amazing, because we're watching this drama unfold with baseball, and it's leaving a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths. For the NBA to be able to do this in a manner that was generally behind the scenes, and to not set those expectations for fans because there was a space, a time and space where we thought wow, we're not hearing anything from the NBA Mm -hmm. is there a chance that it's not going to come back but it seems like they were just conducting all of their business behind the scenes. They hadn't set a firm date saying this is when we expect to come back so so there hasn't been that disappointment factor. Instead it's an excitement factor because it seems like everything is moving forward and I think that that's what the NBA did right in this situation. And I think of these sports because the players are wearing shorts and tank tops essentially Essentially, this is the sport that needs to have the most testing. They're apparently going to be pretty confined at the wide world of sports, but you don't want to have one player walk in that was exposed and then get the entire NBA exposed to COVID-19. Well, we saw it happen in the NBA with Rudy Gobert, right? If any if any league should be the most on high alert, it's the NBA because we watched it play out in real time at the beginning of all of this. But there was an interesting story over the Memorial Day weekend as well. Mark Schlissel is the president at the University of Michigan. He told the Wall Street Journal that any decision the school makes for this coming fall will last the entire academic year. And he said if there is no on-campus instruction, then there won't be intercollegiate athletics, at least for Michigan. So if they are going to have 
students on campus, they aren't going to have student athletes, quote unquote, playing sports, football, basketball, baseball, wrestling, hockey, anything. And he said if they if they start the year without playing, that they, then they aren't playing. To hear a school like Michigan say that, it probably sent a lot of people into panic because if Michigan is saying, hey, if students aren't here, we're not going to play, you know, a lot of other universities are going to feel like they need to follow suit, even though they might not want to. And Michigan is a strong academic institution. Mm-hmm. They understand the science, and I'm sure that he has gone to his science people and said, okay, what do you think? And his response is, if there is no on-campus instruction, There won't be intercollegiate athletics. And he said there's some degree of doubt as to whether there will be college sports anywhere in the fall. I don't know how we sit here today on May 26th and think it's realistic to have students on campus come late August. I don't... I think that's a great point. How do you get with where we are in two and a half months and 100,000 people in America have have having died in two and a half months? Right now we're looking at Two and a half months, right? We're looking at, well, June, July, yeah, half of August. We're looking at two and a, another two and a half months. How dramatically is it going to change? And I know that two days ago, we had a really low level of deaths worldwide. But it's really going to be hard to eradicate the COVID-19 virus in two and a half months. And I think a lot of people are bracing themselves for wave number two of this. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, you see people at the Lake of the Ozarks partying in a pool as if nothing has ever happened. And everyone is kind of bracing for impact to see how people going out and living their lives, but without protection, without masks, without social distancing, because not everyone's playing by the same rules. Not everyone is following the same uh, suggested guidelines. And so I think if you're an academic institution like Michigan, you have the responsibility for the health and health and safety of your students and you can't control the manner in which they're going to go out and live their lives but you can control the environment in which they're in and if you don't think it's safe to bring them back to campus and and put them in lecture halls together etc if you don't feel like you can control that then it's probably best to just say hey we're going to take another semester and you guys will have remote education etc but I mean, for Michigan to say we may not have college football if students aren't here on on campus is a big deal. When my kids went to school, one to St. Louis University and one to Bradley, one of the things they said, the administrations said at the orientation is, we'll take care of your kids. We know that you're not going to be here. We look at it as our responsibility to take care of our kids. And... I would not want to put my kid in harm's way because there's a possibility that one person on the campus could spread this virus throughout the campus. All it takes is one. You go to a dining hall and somebody Mm -hmm. sneezes and then all of a sudden 10 people come out of there with it. So I'm totally on board and I understand why schools would want to take that approach. And I don't understand why people would literally risk their lives for a fun weekend of being at bars and in the pool. I don't get it. It doesn't even look like that good of a time. Not for me. (laughs) Me either. (laughs) You know, standing in a body of water with a bunch of strangers like that doesn't, I mean, everybody has their own vibe. Everybody has situations that they like. But for me, if you said, okay, we're we're in this health crisis, you're going to risk your health and safety and the health and safety of others for one amazing time. What is it going to be? That is not what I would choose. And the troubling thing is, is as everybody knows, 
that 90% of those people are from either Kansas City or St. Louis, and they're mm-hmm. going to be bringing back, well, heck, they, they bring back, I'm sure, a lot of medical issues <laughs> than they did before there was ever a COVID-19. There's a reason that uh, St. Louis leads the world in, well, not the world, we just lead America in sexually transmitted diseases. St. Louis does? Yeah, we have for many years. Oh, man. That is not a list we want to be on the not top Not really, of. no. So we have, we lead in that, and what, wasn't it the most dangerous city in America for a while? Well, still are. Oh, okay, we great. Wow. Hey, we don't have to win baseball championships, so we got a <laughs> lot of championships that we win. Oh, Lord. That's <laughs> Michelle, I'm Randy, and that's your fresh take on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we're going to visit with our buddy John Kelly of FS Midwest. We're going to head into the Blues booth with John next on 101 ESPN. This is Carriker and Smallman. We're talking everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Blues booth. The Blues booth presented by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors. The home show sale is going on now at Boardwalk Hardwood Floors. Update your home with savings on all types of flooring, including solid, reclaimed, wide plank, and more. Visit one of the showrooms in Crestwood, Manchester, St. Peter's, or online at BoardwalkHardwood.com. Boardwalk Hardwood Floors. Great floors for every home with better selection, better value, and the best service. So, Michelle, John Kelly started uh, a pretty good tradition. John Kelly, Parkway North, class of 1978. Randy Carricker, Parkway North, class of 1980. Steve Savard, Parkway North, class of 1982. Wow. The Sklar brothers, Andy Strickland. Uh, we, we've had a pretty good uh, broadcasting and uh, media uh, run at Parkway North, and it was all started by the great John Kelly, who's with us now in the Blues booth on 101 ESPN. Morning, sir. How you doing? I'm good, Randy. How are you today? Everything's great. Did you realize you started that tree? Uh, <laughs> I was aware that you went there, and Steve and Andy, and uh, yeah, it's, it's really amazing when you think about it. All, all of uh, these local media folks uh, went to Parkway North. So, yeah, I'm, I'm proud of uh, our school, and it's really cool that all of us went there. Hey, uh, how was the weekend for the Kelly family? Are you a barbecue guy, and uh, how was your family over the course of the weekend? Yeah, I am a barbecue guy. We have a little barbecue on our back deck, and uh, um, we went over to my sister-in-law's pool on Saturday and enjoyed the, that was the nicest day of the weekend, I think. So, uh, just uh, very casual, uh, no big crowds. Uh, we practice social distancing and all that stuff, but um, it's good to see the warm weather here, and hopefully the rain will will uh, cease in a few days here. But it, overall, we're doing really well, Randy. Thank you. And, J.K., you're, I, I know we're both big golf guys. Did you get a chance to see much of the match? I, I watched the whole thing. Uh, yeah, I taped it and, and uh, actually finished watching it last night. You know, I really enjoyed it because they had, as you know, they had all the players mic'd up. They had they had little cameras on the golf carts, and uh, you know, it, it it really brought you inside the ropes. And I thought all the players had a lot of fun with it. Um, you know, giving each other a hard time, and um, it was cool to see um, Woods and Mickelson try to teach their amateur partners and, and help them with their shots and things like that. But uh, you know, they raised. $20 million, Randy and Michelle, which is a, a huge amount. So it was uh, it was a, a lot of fun, and I know it, it got great ratings as well. 
Johnny, talk about the match, taking fans behind the ropes, miking, you know, the guys up, et cetera, putting cameras in different places. Do you think that that's something we're going to see, you know, when the NHL or other sports returns to play? I mean, as someone that's on a television broadcast, I wonder if we're going to see things like that when sports does return because without fans in the stands you're going to have to be creative in different ways to make the broadcast experience more entertaining for fans well it's hard to say what what the plans are and and, you know quite honestly what the teams and the players will allow but you know michelle as you know we've already made inroads in that area um players had been miked um players in in all-star games and things like that um, have worn cameras. Uh, we have, as you know, we have analysts between the benches now. We have interviews on the bench and things like that. So, you know, you are making inroads, um, but you have to be careful, I think, especially in, in a game like hockey, which can get so, um, it, it's, you know, the players can get so mad at each other. Um, the emotions are so high. Um, you know, the last thing you want is to have crowd mics or microphones pick up things that you know perhaps the general public shouldn't hear i mean i know that the fans enjoy it and they like to hear what the players say um but you've got to be a bit careful because the emotions are so high especially in a physical game like the game of hockey but um it's it's going to be interesting to see what they do when we do come back hopefully we will when the games are televised and there are no fans to 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 make it more enjoyable if that's the right way to put it for the folks who are watching on TV. John, we did get some good news out of the NHL this weekend that they're ready to move into phase two of their plan to return to play. Players are going to be allowed to train in small groups at team facilities, and they're targeting early June for that to take place. Has to be great news for you and for hockey fans in general to see that the NHL seems to be moving forward to uh, an actual return to play. Yeah, it was really good, and I read a lot of um, of the return-to-play guidelines for Phase 2, and, and, and they are leaving no stone unturned. Um, if folks haven't read it, uh, you know, the players have to be social distanced in the locker room. They, they can't have shared water bottles or even, you know, have, you know, meals um, together in the locker room. And, and on the ice, they still encourage social distancing. They're only allowing six players at a time in this phase too. So yeah, it's encouraging and and it's sort of what we expected. I think that from day one, Gary Batman in the league has, has been motivated to come back and this is just another step. And step three, of course, phase three would be a full training camp. And hopefully that can take place in late June or early July. And then after the camp, we can resume play. Um, But just cross your fingers. I think for all the sports that um, nothing unforeseen happens and the pandemic is, is relatively under control, and they can do this in a, in a safe environment and and get back to, to playing hockey. So, yeah, Phase 2 should begin shortly. I think the NHL will make some announcements this week um, with more particulars. Um, but you're right, the framework of the playoffs with 24 teams has been approved by the players. Now they still have to approve other parts of, of the phase-in and the restart, uh, but that's a, that's a good start to have the players approve the the twenty fourteen playoff. John, have you ever done play by play off of the TV? And if you had to do it, I would think that hockey would be the most difficult. How difficult would it be for you, who's done a million games? No, I haven't done it, Randy. But I actually talked to my brother Dan, 
who um, has done quite a bit. I don't want to say quite a bit, but he's done some of it for, for Big Ten Network, calling some college sports. Um, I think that it, it would be challenging in one respect because hockey is so fast. And, for instance, if you have a quick cross-ice pass, say, from the left-wing corner to the right point, well, the cameraman may not um, be wide enough, and I might not be able to see where that puck goes. And, obviously, I could only call what I see, just like the people at home can only see what they see on the monitor, so it wouldn't be any different. So I think it would be more challenging, um, but I, I certainly think that would make the best of it, and and hopefully the, the fans wouldn't notice a big difference. But, you know, there's no question it would be different, you know, also not having the crowd noise and things like that. But um, I, I'd, I'd be happy to call games from, from Alaska if I had to, um, just to, to get back to work and see see the Blues defend their Stanley Cup. And that's what Michelle and I have been talking a lot about, the athletes staying in shape, and obviously with the difficulties we've talked about of staying in shape during the course of the pandemic, uh, it's not going to be the same, but this is a group that is really committed, as we saw last year. They're committed to their craft, and they're committed to winning. I think last year's win, and the fact that this team found so many ways to win in 2019-2020 really benefits them. Well, I think it does. And again, I think the the, the rest um, is going to certainly help the Blues. They're going to come back like the rest of the team, that it will be you know, it'll be even footing for the Blues and everyone else. So it's... Uh, yeah, I think a team that comes back in the best shape. Team to recall Bader having one, so I'll go with Bader. Question number two, Randy. Where did Michigan head coach Jim Harbaugh get his first head coaching gig? At the University of San Diego. Question number three, Randy. How many seasons did Hall of Fame running back Jerome Bettis play football in St. Louis? Only in 1995. And then he got traded essentially for Tony Banks and Ernie Conwell. Two, uh, two and a five. And question number four. Who is the all-time scoring leader in Billiken's men's basketball history? It's still Anthony Bonner. We've got a winner. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. Strong fight to start out the week. Sorry, Jimmy. Randy edged you out three to two. It was a close one. <laughs> Tommy Edmond was the most recent Cardinal to hit an inside the park home run. It was last August in a three to one win over the Pirates. Jim Harbaugh got his first head coaching gig at the University of San Diego. Jerome Bettis played football in St. Louis for only one season, that 1995 season. And Anthony Bonner is the all-time scoring leader in Billkins men's basketball history. Jimmy, thanks so much for playing. Thanks, Dad. All right, Jimmy, good to have you with us on 101 ESPN. It's 837. Time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. That was a fun fight. I had. Uh, I must have missed that game where Tommy Edmond had the inside the park home run. Did you remember that? No. I don't remember anything, though. <laughs> I, I, I would lose the fight every day. I would, I would be the one that would have to, okay, think about it, deduce it, you know. I just, well, I don't remember what, things the way you do. That's what I have to do, too. No, but you, you... We'll know exact stories. You'll know exactly how the play developed. You remember everything. Not everything. I didn't remember Tommy Edmonds. <laughs> yeah, right. Isn't it weird that of all the places for Jim Harbaugh to start his head coaching career, a guy who played in the NFL in the Midwest, he played college football, mm-hmm. grew up in the Midwest, played at uh, Michigan, then he was with the Bears and was with the Colts, and he ended up with the Chargers, but 
you wouldn't have you would have thought that he would have been like a, a monsters of the midway type head coach, not a guy in San Diego or San Francisco totally. and and Stanford where he was fantastic. But I I think he just fits, even though he hasn't beaten Ohio State. I think he's a fit at Michigan. I just think that Jim Harbaugh and Michigan go together. Which is why I think it's so funny. And I, and I understand the criticisms. I understand the questions about, hey, if you can't beat Ohio mm-hmm. State, if you can't get in the playoff, if you can't win the big one, are you the guy for Michigan? I just wonder who would be the guy for Michigan right. if it's not Jim Harbaugh because he is a Michigan man. Well, and they were hoping that he could beat Urban Meyer. As it turns out, Urban Meyer won 90% of his games. Nobody was going to beat Urban Meyer. It didn't matter who they brought in there. And I I do think that obviously there is just a level of expectation that might be a little bit beyond, and I think Dan Deardorff actually agrees with me on this, beyond what reality would suggest. Because in most places, leaving Alabama and Ohio State out of it, and now probably Clemson. If you go ten and two into a bowl game every single year, that is a guy that winds up in your Hall of Fame. That's not a guy that you're talking about firing every year because he can't beat the rival. But I think because of the media exposure that he gets, which is you know to some degree not his fault. Mm-hmm. You know he's certainly a personality and he certainly talks, so he's going to get exposure. But because of what he did in the NFL, because of the Michigan Ohio State rivalry, because of the the history and the lineage that Michigan football is, he's going to get that exposure. And when you get exposure to that degree, you have to deliver. You do. I also. Think think when you're a head coach and you have these little quirks about you that become endearing to people, whether it's Jim Trussell in the sweater vest or Bill Belichick in the hoodie, that only is endearing when you're winning. That becomes part of your character when you're winning. Then it's, oh, Jim Harbaugh, you know, with his $8 khaki pants, mm-hmm. he can't get the job done. It's not, it's not as fun if, they're, if you're not a champion. That's true. It'll be interesting to see, A, if they play college football ever again, but B, Once Day doesn't have Urban Meyer's players anymore, if the gap closes between Michigan and Ohio State. I think Urban Meyer is right there with Saban. In my opinion, he is every bit the head coach that Nick Saban is. Mm -hmm. Obviously. And with him not at Ohio State anymore, I do think that it's it's a more level playing field. I think that game becomes more interesting on a regular basis. I hope so. Do you think that's the best rivalry in sports, Michigan-Ohio State? Yes, you know, I was thinking about it after we spoke to Dan Deardorff, and he talked about how he refused a Hall of Fame induction in Ohio because of his allegiance to Michigan. Mm-hmm. And you think about it, if he would have gone, he would have gotten torched by the crowd in Ohio, and then he would have gotten burned by the fans at Michigan. It's obviously yeah. a lose-lose situation for him. But to think that the hatred runs so deep between those two programs that he couldn't even go to a Hall of Fame induction in Ohio without it being an issue. And in Ohio, they call Michigan that school up north. You've been to uh, Duke, North Carolina basketball, yes, right? Yes, yes. Was that an angry, w- w- vicious rivalry or was that more of a I know it's heated but is it hated so when I was there it was not hated and it was we were in Chapel Hill in North Carolina uh, I went we we stopped by Duke but we didn't experience the game at Duke I wonder what that would have been like mm-hmm. you know the Cameron crazies the whole bit um and the game that I went to was the Michael Jordan, the ceiling is the roof game. Right. And so it was obviously an entire North Carolina crowd. It was a, oh my God, Michael Jordan's here type environment. So it wasn't 
hatred the way that I think Michigan, Ohio State is. And that could have just been my one isolated experience. But it was, um, the environment was intense. People were very, very into it. But it wasn't, I hate you. Mm-hmm. If you look at me sideways, I'm, I want to kill you and your family type hate, right. type rivalry hatred. And I think for the most part, and we, we can do a segment on this at some point, but the Cardinal-Cub rivalry has been over the years, over 100 years, more of a friendly rivalry because oh, yeah. the Cubs never won. Right. Yankees-Red Sox is a, a hated rivalry. Michigan, uh, Ohio State is. Duke, North Carolina, I think for the most part is. This is the preeminent ones in each sport. Bears Packers. Those people just don't like each other. And uh NBA Lakers Celtics. They, mm-hmm. they 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 just don't like each other. And then in the NHL it's probably Bruins and Canadians. It's it's gotta be an original six matchup. But if you're gonna take the top one from each sport and then talk about the things that they do when you ask what the biggest in sports is, that's why I would go with Michigan, Ohio State. Yeah, Blues Blackhawks was pretty intense there for a while. Yeah. I don't and I think it is, but the problem is is that they just they it they haven't had both teams be good for an extended period, like Boston and Montreal were yeah. for such a long time. And with Cardinals-Cubs, you're right. It was the big brother, little brother. Oh, mm. that's cute. We'll buy you a beer. Welcome to St. Louis. Or, you know, hey, this is fun. Come sit in the bleachers with us. And then, all of a sudden, the Cubs are beating the Cardinals in the postseason, and it's not so fun anymore. It's not so friendly anymore. Right. Another great rivalry, Tiger and Phil. And another one, Peyton and Tom. They were all together with the rivalry this past weekend, and we're going to talk about that next on 101 ESPN. Sunday was fun down at the Medalist Country Club in Hobe Sound, Florida. Tiger Woods and Peyton Manning took on Phil Mickelson and Tom Brady in what was called The Match to raise money for COVID-19 related charities. And we should start with the end, Michelle, in that they raised $20 million with this golf match to benefit COVID-19 related charities. Amazing. Uh, By just strictly that measure, this was a success. And the TV ratings were terrific, and the guys made it fun. And the highlight of the whole day, Tom Brady was really bad <laughs> on the first six holes. And Brooks Kepka actually tweeted, if Brady makes a par on the front nine, I'll donate $100,000 to the charity. So they get to number seven, and Brady is playing very poorly. And Charles Barkley, who is one of the commentators, is kind of talking smack. Hey, Tom, how many shots you want? This Chuck. Chuck. Come on, man. I'm going to give you some shots, man. I want All some right. of you. Chuck, I've been focusing on football, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to win a Super Bowl. Man. Ready to dominate. Got It'll turn s- on. Don't worry. It ain't over yet. Okay. Right, ain't over yet. What do you got left here, Tom? His third. I think you just made him mad, Chuck. Oh, no. I love it, though, man. He, he can take a joke. Oh, yeah. oh, do it! Oh, my goodness! You made it! <laughs> wow! Oh. Take a second at Wow. Hey, hey, yeah. hey, hey, Chuck. hey, man. Chuck. I got that's Chuck. all food. Uh, 
Shut your mouth, Chuck. Oh, Take a little of that medicine. Get your butt out of here. So that was from like about 110, and he holes out and birdies the hole. So Kepka makes his donation, and Charles Barkley uh, is, well, you'd think that that had shut him up. It really didn't. Of course not. But that's part of what made this so great, right, is that you have such star power, and golf is such a humbling game, and golf can humanize people so quickly. So to see Tom Brady out there struggling, you know, ripping his pants, you're like, wow, Tom Brady is a dude in this moment. <laughs> but then, you know, he proves why he's an elite athlete, why he's Tom Brady, because he gets Charles Barkley ribbing him, gets in his head, and then boom, he goes out there and delivers. So after he hits the shot, he's really feeling it. Hey, can I say a few things? Please, you got the floor, Tom. Good, I haven't hit a good shot in eight holes, so I'd like to speak for a little bit. Everyone get comfortable at home. Yes. The Mom floor and is Dad, yours. I love hey, you the, very much. The floor is yours. My wife, my kids, <laughs> I love you. I, I don't even know. This has been a uh, Peyton. Come over and give you a little bit. Yeah. nothing, guy. Yeah. Hey, um, my wife, I love you. My kids, I love you. Thank you. You got it, baby. Jack, I hope you're watching. When the going get tough, the tough get going, boys. And when Charles Barkley starts throwing some shade, TB12 responds. Brooks owes me a little money. Yes, he does. (laughs) Brooks Kepka said even a par on this front nine, a hundred grand. Come on, baby. That's awesome, man. We're not even yet. Awesome. Okay, what was that? That's explain why he's the GOAT. Awesome. Gosh, this was just so fun to watch. It's so fun to have the personalities involved. And I loved seeing that side of Tom Brady. You know, you you understand that he and Peyton have a a great back and forth in the videos announcing this. You saw them ribbing each other. You knew that Phil and Tiger obviously were going to play ball. But with, with Tom Brady, you see select sides of him. You see Tom Brady, all business and football. You see Tom Brady, the endorsement guy. You see Tom Brady. You know, the family man. You see what he allows you to see of him. So to see him out there with guys playing golf, struggling, but also talking trash was a really fun look for a lot of people to get to see that side of him. I know that he has the Super Bowl rings, but you remember Lane Johnson of the Eagles saying, I would rather win one Super Bowl and have fun than Mm -hmm. win six and not. Isn't it a shame what Bill Belichick did to Tom Brady? What helped him become a champion six times over? But probably suppressed a pretty good personality, too, because he wasn't, he didn't, for 20 years, he didn't have fun. But I think that he also contributed to that. You know, he's the one that takes his diet so seriously. He's the, I mean, look at Rob Gronkowski, look at Danny Amendola, look at Julian Edelman. There are certainly Patriots that have played under Bill Belichick that have, you know, dabbled in the party scene and gone off and and lived their lives to less extreme restrictions than Tom Brady. That's absolutely true. But the quarterback sets a different tone. The quarterback has to meet individually with the coach every week. And I just, I think that probably some personality was suppressed because he was the guy. He was the spokesman for the players. And Belichick said, okay, you're the guy here. Mm -hmm. And I think that he probably took on some of that Belichick over the years, unfortunately. But I think when you watch The Last Dance with Michael Jordan, you look at Tom Brady, sometimes players need to compartmentalize that side of them to be able to go out and do what they do. Especially if you're Tom Brady, you're the Patriots, you have all of this media attention on you all the time. I think at some point you say to yourself, I don't want to reveal this side of me because I don't want to have mm-hmm. to deal with any more media attention. I just want to come in and, as Belichick says, do my job. I just want to come out here and set the tone. And I... I think that he might not have thrived in an environment that was different. Now he's allowed to go out there and have fun and do this because he doesn't have anything left to prove. He's just having fun. Charles Barkley, obviously, has fun all the time, and he's friends with all of these guys. And 
Tiger was fantastic. Tiger, in I don't think he missed a fairway all day. And um, one hole on the back nine, he hit just a gorgeous drive. Here's Tiger at the tee. Man, that looked just like me. <laughs> Charles, that looked just like you, but yeah. different. Yeah. In your dreams. I mean, I mean, I meant uh, Trevor. I mean, we're both black. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, Tiger's got it on a string right now. Yes. Swing's looking good. Six for six and fairways hit. Tiger, here we are almost in June. Tiger's in mid-season form. And that was one of the, the great things that emerged from this is people were saying, wow, we haven't seen Tiger Woods in almost 100 days, and he didn't look so great. What's he going to look like when he comes out here in this moment? And he, he obviously looked great. And I think that's also... One thing that you could have expected is I had no doubt in my mind that Tiger Woods was going to come out and have an amazing, amazing showing because he is, these are four of the most competitive guys on mm-hmm. planet Earth. And Tiger Woods understands that when the spotlight is on him, if he can physically deliver, he's going to deliver. And Phil Mickelson was so funny. And Peyton Manning inherently is such a funny guy. And those. Those guys made it really entertaining for the viewing audience. As John Kelly mentioned, having everybody mic'd up was great. And having the guys tell stories, having the guys trash talk, it made for great TV. It really did. Another uh, kind of underrated aspect, I thought Justin Thomas was outstanding. I thought he was a, uh, an interesting addition to the crew, to the group. And, you know, he had no problem as well uh, giving certain people in the group, specifically Charles Barkley, a little bit of a jab. Chuck, I'd love to see your fat ass try to jump a basketball right now. <laughs> hey, clear. Uh, dive. Dive. JT, you can't call me fat on TV. That's bullying. (laughs) I'm going to call HR on you. (laughs) Oh, it was great. We're body positive here, okay. Yeah. Who would you like to see? And they were talking about this on Golik and Wingo. Have you thought about who you'd like to see? And somebody suggested Jordan and Curry with Phil and Tiger. That'd be interesting. But... I, I would hope that we would get the same sort of of jovial nature out of them because while it was competitive, these guys certainly gave themselves a hard time. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't be as fun if Michael got all serious and didn't right. want to talk to everybody or didn't want to play along. Yeah, and you'd definitely have a Nike team, right? You'd have Jordan and Tiger. That'd be the Nike team. But Steph Curry would be fun, and Phil with Steph Curry I think would be very entertaining. I think it would too. They should do, honestly, they should figure out a lineup because I would watch this every weekend. I would too. Yeah, and get some good celebrity golfers. Our old friend Mark Mulder is a great golfer. You could get, uh, and I don't know if those guys want to do baseball, but Mulder and Smoltz with one of those guys, that would be very entertaining. I saw some different pairings out there, and people were saying, like, Justin Timberlake's a really good golfer Mm -hmm. to have him involved. I would love to see Tony Romo out there. You know, he's obviously a great golfer and a guy that is uh, made for the cameras and knows how to do it. I would love to see him involved. Timberlake and Fallon. Is Jimmy, is Apparently, he he's a pretty good golfer. Really yeah. interesting. Yeah. So. And yeah, that'd be awesome. Be cool. That is Michelle. I'm Randy. Coming up over the weekend, the Cardinals announced their additions to their Hall of Fame scheduled for August. And uh, one of those new Hall of Famers, Tom Herr, the Cardinals' second baseman during the 80s, will join us next on 101 ESPN. That was the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.